Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today, sir? I'm excellent, uh, celebrating a good friend of mine's birthday today. But before we talk about that, how are you? Uh, I'm always up for a good birthday celebration. Who we got today? Who's your good friend? Actually, friend of the friend of the podcast. It's been on a couple times. Uh, yeah, Adam, if you're if you're watching on YouTube right now, we thank you very much. If you're listening on all other podcast platforms, he's pointing out a picture directly behind him of Mr. Michael Jordan. That's right. Jeffrey. It, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That's right. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, 6'6", 195, uh, North Carolina. Uh, oh, boy, ain't 195 anymore. Not, not anymore. <laughs> like the first like five or six years of his career, he was 195. After that, he was like 215. After, yes. the, after the Pistons beat him up a couple of years and he couldn't get past them, he, uh, he started lifting weights. So anyway, with uh, Tim Grover. It is Michael Jordan's birthday. Really quick, without thinking, Michael Jordan, where does uh, number what on your list of all-time players go? Two. Basketball oh or any oh sport my God. of all time? Wait, basketball? That's what I thought Wait. you were going to say. Basketball or any sport of all time? Basketball. Oh, yeah, he's number one, without a doubt. Oh. Uh, yeah, until LeBron retires, we don't know if LeBron is going to be better than Michael. So okay. I'm I reserve my judgment on my on on LeBron until after Michael. There's a really good chance that LeBron James in the next three years can overtake Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. As of right now, still going with Michael. That's very mature and objective of you. Uh, and I was just kind of going to try to get you caught in a uh, in a Michael Jordan is number two statement, and it was going to go viral. Uh. Oh, go, go ahead. Let's go viral. Michael Jordan, <laughs> number two all time. LBJ. No. Honestly, so many people already think LeBron is better than Michael. <laughs> I mean, how I'm many not people one, but... over the age? How many people over the age of 35 would say that? Though? Not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the uh, it is my, uh, in my opinion, number one player of all time. Basketball history is uh, Michael Jordan. It's his 58th birthday today. It's very strange to think that he's 58 years old. He's approaching 60. Um, if if Michael Jordan, if Michael Jordan were uh, still playing when LeBron James came into the NBA, his third or fourth year when he finally started going to. Uh, a few uh, when he finally started going to some some uh, some championship championship games would he, him versus Michael at the Wizards be the equal the equal of Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes in Tampa Bay versus versus the the up and coming greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes no I don't think so uh, no. I don't think so because Tom Brady. Or Michael and still... the Wizards verse verse verse. If Michael and the Wizards got to the got to the finals and they played Kobe at the time, man, I I don't know. I I just think um, because the Wizards were still bad, uh, they still weren't a good. But team he took them Michael. to the playoffs. He took them to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, he may have. He may have one year. Um, but they still weren't good. 
they still weren't good though. I mean, you yeah. know, Michael was still really good. I will forever, I will die on that hill that, that Michael was still one of the best players in the league in his late thirties at 39, 40 or whatever with the wizards. 100%. Uh -huh. I will, I will never stop saying that. Okay. That's fine. So, so you're going to say that Michael was still, it was still uh, one of the best players in the game at the age of 37 years old with the wizards. One of, yes. How can, then you have to be able to talk about LeBron James, who you could literally put him on any team at the age of 36, 37 years old, and they will be a playoff contender. They'll be yeah. a, a finals contender. Michael couldn't do that with the Wizards. No, uh, but Le LeBron still has a couple more years. So he's he just turned 36, right? Yep. So Michael was at least 38, I think, when he when he started playing with the Wizards. Um, and also, he was also out of the game for two, three, four years, something like that, when he came back. It was it was three three years, I think, three or four years. You hear that? All I hear are excuses. That's all I hear. Oh, okay. All I hear um, are excuses. I mean, that's a pretty big one. When you stop playing basketball for three years – and then you're in your late 30s and you come But if back. you're the greatest, if you're the greatest of all time, you step in, step in, and make it happen. If Le, if LeBron James in 1998 was his last year and he didn't play for 3 years and he came back and he was 38 or 39 years old, he would be a different player than he would if he played those 3 years. I mean, People might argue the other way that it's extra mileage or whatever, but it's also reps. You're getting game reps. You're playing games. You are still, you are still doing everything. You are, you are in, you're right. Mike, the, in Mike that lifestyle didn't play every single day. Mike didn't play at all, did he? He didn't keep, he didn't keep himself in shape. Well, he didn't I, do anything. I, he did, but it's way, way, way different. Way different when you are I, playing one-on-one -on -one against guys before practice or whatever and, and, you know, working out your, your workouts when you're not you're, playing are way different. I you're making a pretty good argument for why Michael might be the greatest player of all time. You're making a pretty good argument. Oh, pretty good argument. I, I'm not trying to make an argument for that. I'm just, I know I'm just you're right. To, What's the argument that we're trying to make that, that Michael would be a better player at the age of 37 than, or 36 than, than LeBron. You can put LeBron on any team after being out of the game for three years but you can't put Michael on anything. No, I'm if, saying that I, I'm, but if LeBron missed three years and then came back and is, and it was 38 or 39 different story. Still Way in the finals, story. still in the, at least in the, at least in the conference championship. You, game. you bring him back and put him on this Cavaliers team or this Detroit Pistons team. And he's 38, 39 and hasn't played in three years. No, nah, they're not a they're not a finals contender. Well, I guess we'll never know. Uh, on <laughs> right, on right. on on another note, on another note, let us continue on because we got a lot to do today. We we thought it was going to be a slow day, but then we just figured out a bunch of weird stuff to talk about. Uh, so before we do that, Adam, I did something, and I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with everyone out there in the great the great land of Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Please share. As of today, I have created my very first batch of wine. I am now a winemaker. And I want to know 
out there for all you viewers, if I should call it nosebleeds wine or what we need to call this. So I've got it. I bottled it in a bunch of different bottles that are separate, but this is a bottle that I uh, had before. It's never been tasted ever. No one's ever tasted this. Did you taste it? Not yet. Today, my friend, today, my friend is that day. So this is a, uh, it's a bottle of, oh, that thing's dead. So it's a bottle of, what do you call, uh, what do you call, uh, Moscato. Okay. So it looks like a okay. white wine. Is that the, is that the case? It is. It's a real, it's a sweet wine. My, my wife likes sweet wine. So decided to make the first wine, something that we all would drink. So Adam, today you are going to be all the nosebleed sports podcast people out there are going to witness the very first tasting of the nosebleeds sports podcast wine. Wow. All right. I have some questions after you give that a shot. Wow. I was expecting way worse. <laughs> I was expecting way worse. That's not the best way to sell your wine, but uh, if, okay. if I was uh if I was a wine taster and I had to rate it a one out of ten, I believe I would give this uh probably uh like a four or five. Okay. Um, so what I didn't see you do was before you taste it, I didn't see you swish it around and put it under your nose. And I didn't oh. see you open. I didn't see you open mouth, smell it. Cause you're supposed to open your mouth to smell it. Cause you get your, your smell has to do with your taste buds too. And I, I, I don't even know if I can smell with my mouth open. I've never Can't really fit my mouth in here and my nose. My nose is too big. <laughs> you got that, you got that wide mouth, wide mouth, uh, glass. So you can put your nose in it and smell it. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, but okay. So first reaction was good. It's it tastes pretty good. It's a it's a sweet white wine. I don't know much about that, but I think I've always heard that the reds are always sweet and the whites aren't as sweet. But they're apparently sweet white wines as well. Yep. Um, it looks nice. I don't see any floaters in it or anything like that. Oh no, I cleared the hell out of it. It's clear as day, man. Yeah. It's clear, right. crystal clear, filter. crystal clear. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what sort of uh, filtration do you use? How do you filter a wine? So uh, it's not filtered in any way, no shape, or form. No, there's a few things you put in it as it sits, and it sits, and all the sediment seeps down to the bottom after a few weeks, and uh, you get a nice thick layer of gunk at the bottom. The rest of the wine is nice and clear, and then you take a little siphon guy siphon it down into another big jug but you don't get that nasty stuff and then let it sit again for a little while and uh yeah after after a little while you end up with this i it's i thought that i had something like around 10 percent alcohol but tastes more grape juicy than alcoholy okay so uh my next question is at any point while making this wine did you stand on grapes with your bare feet no 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 i have not uh okay that makes me almost willing to try it i would i think no you would not like you wouldn't hate this you wouldn't hate it wow i mean i'm not a wine guy at all you wouldn't like it 
but you wouldn't hate it. No, we're, I'm not a, we're not a, uh, we're not wine people either. That's why my wife thinks I'm a little crazy for trying to, uh, uh, what's, I don't know, brew. Is it brewing? Do you brew wine or do you, do you, uh, I feel like that's too rough wine. for wine. There's gotta be some yeah. like classy word that probably means the same as brew, but yeah. it's, it's something different that wine makers use. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, but good for you. I, I, I that's, yeah, what do you think? That's a little something good. different, huh? A little something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. It, it, do you feel like uh, how much work went into it? And do you feel like it's the amount of work that you could do over and over again to where you would want to, uh, you know, you would be willing to do that much work to make more if, if family and friends like the wine and they wanted to get some more off of you? I, uh, I put probably, um, I'd oh, say that was total. That was from that was not from the wine. I put a probably a total of two hours of work into uh, a couple months of getting this wine going. When you say uh, so, it took a total a couple of months, but you only put a you only actually had to do a couple of hours of work. Yeah, most of it's the wine's just sitting and hanging out. Oh, okay. Yeah, sitting in a nice warm room. Okay. Kind of like uh, like bourbon is made, right? It sits for years. Oh, yeah, and, years uh, and years. And, and, and when people, most, most of the time when they make a wine, it, it's, it's a year to a year and a half before you ever taste it. This was, uh, this was done from a kit where I just had the wine juice, right? So I didn't have, uh, I didn't have all the fun. I didn't have the fun time of stepping on the grapes and doing all the extra steps like that. So, so uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, so it's a vintage 2021 wine, um, made in, um, uh, from, uh, the vineyards of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, where a lot of great wines are made. Let's be honest. Yeah. 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 It, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely from one of the premier wine, uh, from one of the premier vineyards, uh, of the Ohio, California Moscato. Ohio, California Moscato. Well, it's California Moscato, but it's from an Ohio vineyard. So, okay. <clears throat> All right. Those were three words that I've never heard together before in my life. So I, I just wasn't sure. Um, Me neither. Me but neither. Since, since I know very little about wine, I'm just going to believe you. And no matter what you tell me, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I need I need the viewers to let me know because I'm going to do another wine next. I'm getting ready to do number two. But Whoa. I need to know what we're going to call oh, this Oh, second wine. Okay. I oh, oh I did number two earlier. Okay. I thought you needed to take a quick break. Okay. I, I got you. No. no, 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 no. I should have took a break earlier. Speaking of that, so you guys remember, you remember the uh, the traveling story of, of dropping a deuce, right? Oh, yeah. So was that two years ago, maybe? I... Uh, I had a shark today, man. I had another shark today. <laughs> Sitting down watching TV this afternoon and thought I had a fart and it was not a fart, brother. Okay. So a little bit of leakage, huh? A little, a little leakage. leakage. You know, the funny thing about a shark is when you let one go and you feel the bubble that, oh, when you try to pinch, <laughs> you feel like it's a bubble, right? Like maybe a, like you cup your hand, you feel like there's that much juice in there. And and when you get to the when you get to the toilet, it's really not that. You think when you stand up, it's gonna be running down your leg or something. It it's never really that bad. No, it's never that bad. Just a, just a, just a couple drops, huh? 
just kind of hanging out there in the zone until you get to where you uh, can let it all out, huh? Yes, it was a little more than a couple drops, but it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't quite a spoonful. Okay. All right. If we're measuring in utensils, let's talk about, uh, I mean, would you say it's like a, um, <laughs> let's say, uh, three I mean, quarters you, of a tablespoon and uh, you know, how, how, uh, what was the, uh, uh, solid content? I mean, could it be stabbed? I feel like it was fork? mostly, was it I feel like just it was a, mostly liquid. Like it was mostly mm-hmm. liquid with some speckle in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a little speckle in there. Okay. So less most of the a, liquid was soaked up by the drawers and, let, uh, yeah, le- less than a tablespoon then. Less than a tablespoon, you say? Uh, what's the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon? I really actually don't know. I'm 39. Uh, tablespoon's pretty much like a spoon. And a uh, teaspoon is probably, I don't know, a quarter of that. Oh, a teaspoon is much smaller. Way smaller, way smaller. So I must not I must not own a teaspoon then. Um, I, use a, I guess I use a tablespoon to uh, stir my tea every day then there you uh, go is that, is that what a teaspoon is for just for i guess it has for, to be. you would think that a teaspoon would be specifically for tea maybe you use a maybe that's how much sugar you're supposed to put in tea is a teaspoon it's a it's a it's definitely a measuring a unit of measure for sure without a doubt um, but uh but yeah I, I don't know i guess i never knew really what a teaspoon the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon so well, next if, time you have a shark, you can figure it out. Okay. I'll try both and see which one it fills up. And, uh, and I guess I'll know then. Um, okay. Let's see. I don't even know. Oh man. Look, congratulations on your, on your entrepreneurship. Uh, you're now a winemaker. And, um, if you need, if you need to market it, I would not start with, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but, well, but, but think about it. You, somebody comes up to you like, hey, it's the first time I've ever made wine. Mm-hmm. What is the first? You are going to you're going to put that in your mouth and go, whew, I am not expecting anything good to come out of this. Yeah, well, I think that with people who've made wine all their lives for hundreds of years, that's what I think. But um, it's true. Uh, it's uh, true. another here. I'm another not a term. wine drinker. I'm not yeah. a wine drinker either. Well, how's the mouth feel? That's uh, a term. It, my, the mouth feels uh, like it's got wine in it. <laughs> I really don't know. Like, you know, the, the taste of wine. That's what it's it feels a, like a, in my mouth. That's the that's a uh, description or some sort of jargon for uh, wine tasting. The mouth well, feel t- of the wine. I'm going to tell you this. If the Nosebleed Sports Podcast wine ever gets off the ground, there will mm-hmm. never be a taste test. There will never be a wine connoisseur. That comes through and uh, gives her a try. You don't have to it's smell not, it with your mouth open first. Absolutely not. I want you to pour, pour glass. You drink it out of the bottle. I don't care. Just enjoy, just enjoy it the way regular people enjoy wine. And that would be perfect for for what we represent here at the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. There you go. Good I feel call. like I should do a red wine next, and it should like be the Nosebleed. Oh, I mean, that's, that's perfect. You couldn't do, you couldn't do better than that. Um, All right. Good job, man. Let's get into. It's a good idea. Let's get into something different. You know who I think might, might like wine. Uh, A lot of NBA players are big wine guys. Now your, your boy LeBron's big wine, huge wine guy. A guy who might be a wine guy off. Not might be. 
He's 100% a wine guy. He is as whiny a guy <laughs> as you'll ever meet in your life. Go ahead. I wasn't going in that direction, but that was, that was perfect. Um, Draymond Green yesterday said, uh, two days ago from when we're recording this, said, uh, spoke out after the game, their game, the Warriors game against the Cleveland Cavaliers about something that was bothering him. I, from what I took, he wasn't asked about it. He spoke up and said, I need to say something about something that's bothering me. That's how he started it, so I don't think he was asked. So he had the platform because he was, he was in the press conference after the game, and he was talking about before the game that uh, Andre Drummond was warming up, had his uniform on. They came out and got him, talked to him. He went back and changed into street clothes and came out and sat on the bench in his street clothes for that game. And it had nothing to do with COVID, had nothing to do with an injury. It had everything to do with the fact that they are actively looking to trade Andre Drummond. And that's the problem that Draymond Green had is he, I I think he's calling out, at least that's the way people are reporting it, is calling out the NBA. He 100% said the league needs to protect us needs to protect the players word for word. The players should have the same rights a team should have. And by that he, he's talking about when a guy asks to be traded or demands a trade, which has happened more and more over the last few years. Uh, he even cited Anthony Davis, James Harden, uh, Kyrie Irving. They get vilified by fans, the media, that part is not the league's fault because the league isn't well the only part is that they they actually that part is is they get fined so anthony davis at least got fined $100,000 for publicly demanding a trade when he was in new orleans and so i think that's the part that he's he's worried about uh, but being being vilified you know people start talking about he's a malcontent he's a um, you know, this player is a, he's unprofessional. He's a baby. Uh, you know, I don't remember anybody saying that about, about Anthony Davis. I remember Anthony Davis. I remember that Anthony Davis wanting a trade, a trade being put together for him and not going through, um, with the Lakers. I don't remember if it was the league or somebody, somehow it got stopped and it did not go through. And, uh, and, and that was that and everybody and then he got fined because he said that he wanted out. But I don't remember anyone ever getting on him. I don't remember anybody getting on him. Bradley Beal right now is like the talk of the town. Bradley Beal, everybody wants Bradley Beal out of Washington. The guy's probably is playing at an MVP level right now. And, and, and he has come out and publicly said that he, Wants to be in Washington. He loves playing a lot. He loves loves what he's doing. But these, the, everyone in the world is is basically demanding a trade for him. Okay, so 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 another point against what Draymond's saying. There's there's two issues. Yes, there's a rule that says you can't talk about that kind of stuff. Right? You can't talk about it. Leagues, teams get fined for t- if they were to talk about that kind of, of trades and things like that out, uh, out, out in public. Like, like you can't talk to other players at certain times you get fined. The teams players, get on, fined. players on other teams though. 
Exactly. You can't, you, you can get, I'm saying that teams can get fined for going out the same kind of way. So I, he, he's getting upset. I understand he's upset. Okay. I've seen this being going on. This has been going on in major league baseball for as long as I can remember guys being pulled out of the game by guys being pulled out in the middle of games, being traded in between double headers to the team that they're playing. Like this stuff happens all the time. Team saying, Hey, the trade deadline's coming up. He's not starting. I can't take a chance of him getting hurt because tomorrow he's going to wherever. It's been going on literally forever. It's, it's the way business is done in these professional leagues. So, like usual, not 100% with old, with old Draymond. Not 100% with him. Okay. I, I understand what he's saying. He doesn't he, – uh, I understand the, the feeling of if a player wants to be traded, he shouldn't be vilified by the media and, and by the world, right? Uh, they shouldn't be hate, hating someone because he wants out. If somebody's working somewhere and they want out, then in, nor, in normal circumstances, they just quit their job and go find another job. It's different when you have uh, uh, organizations like this and, and, and leagues like this. There's different things written in contracts and, and different rules for leagues uh, when it comes to things like this. So it's not everyday person just wanting to leave their, their job in that case. That being said, you know, I... I it's it's the way the league is. It's it's run like a business. I understand that it it can be hard, and you put a lot into what you do. I do. I understand that. And the whole thing with Kyrie Irving, I we came on here and we're talking about it. Kyrie Irving need a men- needs a mental health day. Then Kyrie Irving needs to say, "I need a mental health day," and and he needs to let the team know. Let everyone let. He doesn't need to let everyone know. The media doesn't know. We don't need to know. But when his coach says, I don't know where he's at, that's not, that's, that's not the way to go about it. If, he, if that was his deal and he needed a mental health day, then the team can come out and make any excuse they want for why he's not there. But don't, don't make it to where, you're, to where your coach has to come out and answer questions and not have any idea where you're at. So Draymond, when he's talking about Kyrie needing a mental health day and everybody's getting on Kyrie – Okay, that ain't right. They didn't get on Kyrie because he needed a mental health day. They got on him because he was disobeying the COVID rules going to a party. Totally different, big dog. Totally different. So I, I, I struggle when it comes to Draymond Green. Part of me just always wants to find flaws in what he's saying. And, and that's, that's me because I, personally the guy gets, gets under my skin just a little bit. I'd love to have a conversation with him. I would talk to him in a heartbeat. And maybe he proves me wrong because he's much louder than me, which is difficult to do. But <laughs> oh, that's true. it is what wow it is yeah <laughs> it is difficult and it is true. <laughs> but at the same time, I can find a flaw in everything that he wants to say. So I, that is that's that's how I feel about it. Uh, Adam, what do you think about it? Good good self awareness on your part for first of all. Um, Cause it, uh, we're, we're all, we all do it when it's a player, when it's a player. And that's why we have, both of us have gotten on Kyrie for a bunch of different things that he said. And because now it's in our heads and we're not, we're like, 
anytime he says something goofy, we're going to get on him about it because he keeps but doing it's that. Not, but we don't ever get on him about something with a, with a mental health issue. No. If you got a mental health issue, dude, I'm not, nobody's, nobody's getting on you for that in 2021. No, no. Nobody's giving you a hard time. Kyrie Irving got a, was given a hard time for two reasons. One, nobody knew where he was. And two, when we found out where he was, he wasn't obeying COVID protocols. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, when, when he's when he's saying that he's not going to talk to the media anymore this year or whatever, and, you know, the world is flat and, and uh, you know, I don't know. You can't get off that world is flat thing. You like that. I, well, I mean, that that's was your like favorite the, part. That was like his that was like the launching of the uh, Kyrie Irving is is a different cat. And he, mm-hmm. pro- I, you know, probably is going to retire and move to uh, that place in Nevada that has the, you know, Area 51. And. Anyway, uh, I, I don't, I, I think Draymond Green isn't wrong. I, I, I think he's kind of right in what he's saying, but it, I don't think it's concrete. I don't think it's so black and white. I, I and, and first of all, I think he, you got to be careful to, to say, to talk about the way players are treated if you're talking directly to the league, because NBA players are treated better by their league than any other sport in the world. Any uh, that is, and there is no question. They, about that. they, are, they are in charge of that league. Now they own that league now, and they get away with a lot of stuff that, that athletes in other sports do not get away with. Um, now, so, but, so I think he's not wrong. And, and people but you do, do think I, he is wrong. Well, I, I, so I, I do think it's more. And, and look, when somebody's fined for saying something, for saying, look, I want out. Um, I, I, I run my course here or I'm unhappy here. Or I can't get along with this coach or whatever it is. Nobody wants that that press that, you know, for for the league or for that team or anything. But it does happen. It happens all the time. Guys are unhappy all the time. And. Sometimes guys, especially superstars, because it really only works for them, really, because uh, anybody lesser than that is can just get dropped, can just get, you know, let go or fired or whatever, or, you know, they, they still get paid, I guess. But, um, but guys at that level, and Draymond Green's probably at that level too. I wouldn't call him a superstar, but, he, but he's probably at that level. If he demanded a trade, he'd probably get it. It, but there would be a whole thing. And most of the time, that's what happens. It's, it's, there's a, it's, I think he's talking about the weird thing in between when either a player or an organization talks about, we're going to trade this person, or I want to trade. It's when, a, when the player says, I want to, I want to be traded. I want out of here. It's this guy is, this guy can't handle it, handle adversity. This guy is, is just unhappy and he can't get along with teammates and what's wrong with him. And when it's the organization, it's, oh, they're just, it's just business. They're just doing what, you know, what, that's just the way it goes. So let me ask you a question in that with going with that. So if a player demands a trade, why is he demanding a trade? Not most of the time. What's he demanding a trade for? Personal reasons or business reasons? Uh, usually it's, I usually think it's business reasons. I I think usually what are the reasons then? I mean, I can't speak for any of any players who have done this because it's probably all different. Most players, players, most players want to go somewhere else because because they want to go somewhere where they're winning. And most most of these cases are these guys are saying this 
at places where they've been for a while that they're not winning and, and it's not gone well the last few years and they're in a longer contract and they know they're stuck it, there and they want to go somewhere and have a chance to win in a better environment. And when a team wants to trade somebody, why are they trading somebody? They're trading, usually trading someone either to, to get rid of payroll or to get themselves in a better situation to try to win. Correct. Right. Okay. So you have a team that has a, uh, 15 parts to it. And you have a player who's one of the parts. If you can't understand the difference between those two, then we, there's no point in even having the conversation. Like there's a difference between being a part, one of the parts and being the one who's trying to get the parts put together. Does that make sense at all? Did I make any sense uh, at all with what I'm trying to say there? Uh, I, I, I might not, I, I'm probably just not following completely, but um, I, I think he's just, I think he's just saying, and I, I don't think he's wrong about the fact that most people look at it differently when, when a team comes out and says, we're going to trade this player or this guy is on, or you just start hearing rumors because teams are taking calls or teams are shopping a guy or whatever. There's usually another a good point. Another good point. Have you do, how often do you ever hear a team say, we are going to be trading so-and-so? I don't know that I've ever heard that unless that yeah. player demanded it that to be traded. Then they say, okay, well, I guess we have to be looking to trade him. Most of the time, it's just rumors. It's somebody saying somebody's looking to spread somebody. The team's not coming out and saying these things. They're not telling the media that they're looking to trade. Once again, it's a, it's just another it's just another thing to that story that he's saying that doesn't mesh to me. Well, a lot of times where there's smoke, there's fire, and this was a I mean, this was reported yeah, by by Adrian. Smoke and fire is totally that's totally different. That. If the team's not coming out and saying, I want to trade you, this right. guy's co- when this guy comes out and says, I want to be traded, there's a big difference. There's a big difference to me. And maybe it's just me, but there's a big difference to me as a person that if I hear somebody say, I want out of here, or if I hear somebody say, mm, there's a, it, it looks like so and so is looking, is taking calls on so and so, is looking to trade so and so. This, that is, that's, Rumors, smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm sure there is, but they're not putting their business out there. Yeah, usually not. There's you almost never hear a, a general manager come out and say, you know, this just we're we're looking to trade Draymond Green. This is it. This sounds to me, this situation specifically. I said Draymond Green. I keep I think I keep doing that. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Um, and Draymond Green is the one who commented on it because it, it bothered him. So but I think th- this actually feels like the one of the closest things. And it's actually, I think, happening also in Detroit right now with Blake Griffin, um, that they are actually looking to – like they're, they are looking to do that. And you can tell that because they, they agreed – they actually met with, from what I understand, met with um, Andre Drummond's uh, agent – before the game and and they agreed that it's best to this is this is what we're going to do they they traded for Jared Allen um in the trade that sent um 
So he was in. That was the James Harden trade with five different teams. That's right. That's right. So it sent Jared Allen from Brooklyn to Cleveland. So Jared Allen's been playing a lot of minutes. Now, Andre Drummond is having one of the best years of in a while, at least in his career. He's, he's getting 14, 15 rebounds a game. Um, so he's averaging a double double and he's contributing. He's a lot of people talk about, he's one of the worst players in the league, but he also averages a double double, um, because he's, he does all kinds of awful things on, he's, he's a bad offensive player, but he's such a great rebounder, um, that he, he adds enough value that you want to, you can put him on the floor and he's going to help your defense. Tristan Thompson. He's like a Tristan Thompson kind of player. Yeah. Oh yeah. Only Tristan Thompson has gotten better on the offensive end, but there for a while in Cleveland, he had one job and one job only, and that was offensive and defensive rebounds, mostly offensive rebounds yeah. and putbacks and then defensive rebounds. Right. Uh, so anyway, Cleveland is going, wants to move forward. I think it's pretty clear. Wants to move forward with Jarrett Allen as there. And that was, we. I think we even talked about that during that trade, that it was weird that Jarrett Allen is going to a team that already has like two or three centers. And um, I'm 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 blanking on the other. There's another JaVale, big guy. There's Javel McGee's there, and uh, that's right. Oh yeah, Jesus and I, I think even somebody else besides besides that. Kevin Love and somebody else. Yeah, there's three three of them. So anyway, they're, they're Jared Allen's much younger. They want to move forward with him. He's going to start taking Andre Drummond's uh, minutes. So they felt like it's best to shop. Andre Drummond, which all, you know, if that's, what's going to happen, if Andre Drummond's minutes are going to keep going down and Jared Allen's going to take his, his time away, he's going to want to be out of there, you know, and they're still, they're one of the worst teams in the league still uh, after a really hot start, they're still one of the worst teams in the league. So by the end of this season, if he's hardly playing and he's on a bad team, he's going to want out anyway. Um, but. And, and, and that team, you, you just said it, that team went, to his agent before the game and they had a conversation and they spoke about things and they came, it sounds like they're both are on the same page and they came to some sort of agreement in that way. And Andre Drummond comes out and the Draymond green who has nothing to do with that situation. Nothing. Mind your business. That's what I say. That's like when you're, you know what irritates me more than anything in the world is when you're at a job, and people were out there and they're talking about how much money they make. I make this. Oh, you make that. I do the same thing as you. I should be making that. I do this. You, that, that irritates me. Mind your business, do your job. You'll and, and everything will be fine. I, I definitely think this is different because there is a, there is a, a union and um, sort of a unity among player among, among NBA players, even on other teams. I mean, guys talk about it all the time. So I, I understand. And he feels like his, co-workers or his you know the people that he's he does the same job as and they you know he talked about Draymond Green talked about all this all the time and all the effort and everything they put into being professional basketball players those guys all share those experiences and it's such a small percentage now other people do other things and put in all this you know put in a ton of work so it's not like I don't think he's saying this and I'm not trying to say that they're, they work harder than anybody else in any other profession, but he's just saying he knows what everybody, what, what those guys go through and to also have that kind of a thing. That's not, not generally the same as most other professions where you can just be shipped off to other places kind of anytime 
your employer wants, right? Um, so, so and then to and, and then to be for the narrative, I hate to keep using that word, but um, to be that when the player wants that to happen in the middle of a year, in the middle of a contract, it's because he's, he's a diva or whatever. And when it's a team, it's because they're just doing their business. So I, I think that's just the general, he, he didn't, I don't, I think he has a point and I don't disagree with it. I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's as easy because I think if he was a, an executive making decisions like that, I think he would feel a little bit differently about it. Um, and that might happen eventually because he's a big communicator and he loves basketball and he might end up in somebody's front office after he retires. Uh, and we'll see if he, uh, if he does feel different because he might be put in a different position that he's got to make decisions like that. And I don't know, it, it's, uh, I, I can kind of see, I can kind of see everything. I, I think he's not wrong, but I also don't think he's right about everything he said. Um, it would be nice if everybody could be upfront and honest all the time with each other. And if, if there weren't double standards in the world and, and in basketball and in that business, there are, but he, it's not exactly disrespect from the league. And now I don't, they're, it's they're, not disrespect from the league and it's not a hundred percent disrespect from, from, from the team either. That's what the NBA is. Okay. The NBA what you do as a team is you are trying to build a team to win, right? You do what you need to do. You make trades, you, you bring in people, you draft, you have to cut people. You have to do a lot of things every day. It's not going to a nine to five job. It's different. And you know that when you become an NBA player, there's a team, this team pays you your salary to do this. When they're done, then they're done. There's a difference between being the employer and the employee. And I hate, I don't want to be that, 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 that guy who's like, oh, well, you know, oh, you, get, I, you get a paycheck, then you know, shut your mouth and dribble. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there's an employer and an employee. And the employer has different rights than the employee has. It's always going to be that way. It's that way in every profession. And it will be that way forever from here on out. If you're upset about it, I understand. It's irritating. And I hate people that say, okay, well, then just go buy a team and then you do what you want to do. Because it's not that easy either, right? That sounds silly. But you do have to understand it. You have to understand it. And you have to think about it when you make comments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the last thing I have, and it's, it's a two-part thing, is one, I, I think the NBA probably needs to look at their rules and their fine system uh, that's or, fine. Or I, you, I don't, I, I, I'm is, fine with that. You get rid of, get rid of Anthony Davis doesn't need to be fine. Cause he says he wants to get traded. I, just say whatever you want to say. I don't and, care about that, and, but, and people, I, but know that there are, there are consequences for your actions. When you say something, it's not the league that's getting on you. It's the media, it's fans. So no Draymond, you can get upset all you want, but there's consequences for you. You can't just, there's freedom of speech. Yes. You can say whatever you want, but there's consequences still for what you say. Yep. So if you're going to say what you're going to say, be prepared to take a little bit of criticism from the media and from fans. Be ready. It's going to happen. Otherwise, don't say it. Sure. So there, that, that's one thing. And, and I, I understand the whole the reason behind having um, rules and, and fines for um, 
uh, what's it called? Tampering. Tampering. I, I kind of understand that. I still think some of those are kind of silly too. Some of those, like he, Draymond Green, I think was one that got fined for tampering when he was an analyst uh, during in the bubble. He was an analyst yep. on TNT one night and they asked him about, I forget who it was now, but somebody who was like kind of coming to the, or, or was a really good player on a really bad team or something like that. And, and they were like, Oh, it was, it was a uh, Devin Booker. I think before the, before the Chris Paul trade, it was Devin Booker on a team that was bad until they just snuck in the bubble. And then they won nine straight games or whatever. And then they traded for Chris Paul over the off season. And now they're pretty good, but he, they were talking about Devin Booker because they were showing the highlights because he was unbelievable in the bubble. And Draymond Green happened to be in there, and they're like, what do you think about uh, Devin Booker? Should he, you know, should, should he be uh, looking to go somewhere else or whatever? And he's like, man, yeah, he's got a, you know, he's, on, he's in a, on a rough team there. He's so good. I would love to see him be able to, uh, you know, play on a, on a good team and play for a championship and play with other good players and stuff. And it was, and, and he was fine for that. He didn't say, yeah, I'm going to try to get him to come to the Warriors. He, that would be different. But I'm, look, hey, if that's what he's arguing, I'm fine with that. And he's, he's not, that. But, but that's not what he was arguing. No, it's not. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just kind of went off on a tangent about tampering. But, um, but that's, I, I feel like that's part of that thing that the reason that Anthony Davis got fined, I don't remember all the comments that Anthony Davis made. I know he was unhappy there. So and a lot of that was his dad or his uncle or whoever's repping him who had, who made, who made comments. A lot of it was his representation. Yeah. Um, and, and I, then I, his, uh, that's all folks or, or whatever shirt he had. Oh, I don't <laughs> saying, basically that. saying, he was leaving. Oh, yeah. um, so anyway, I, I think that needs to be looked at. And also I think if you're a player, especially if you're a really good player and you're probably signing a big contract, look, work it into your, into your deal. Great. Sign a 10 year deal, a 12 year deal. If you're Fernando Tatis jr. Two hours before we started recording this sign a 14 year deal worth $340 million, but make sure in your contract. And if you are that, if you are that much of a star that you're going to sign this big contract and everybody wants you to play for their team, you should be able to work into your contract, um, not buyouts, but uh, options. You know, uh, you but Trevor Bauer just signed a three-year deal. He may not play more than one year in LA. Exactly, and I think I think more players, more superstar players, need to. And maybe this kind of triggers something like that. But I, it makes I sense it to me that that if you're going to be, you know, if you're on a good team or if you're on a on a bad team you might want to stick around because you think you're going to be part of the solution and you think, you know, this team's going to want to build around me and stuff like that. And that's great. And they might, but it might also not work because that happens all the time too. So to protect yourself against that, if you're on a team, if you're not, if your team is not already in the finals uh, and, and have a core that you're going to be able to keep around and you're signing a new contract, you got to think about that. And your agent needs to think about that. And you got to, you got to say, I'll sign for six years to stay here but I want options after every year. I want player options after every year. And, and if they don't agree to that, then, you know, that's something, is it important enough to you or not? That way, after two years, after th two or three years, if you're only halfway through your deal and your team, uh, you know, wins 15 games in a season and, and it's not going anywhere and, and the next best guy on your team already left and it's not, you know, you're, <laughs> you don't like the direction they're going, guess what? You have an option. Now you can go and you don't have to, in the middle of a season, in the middle of a contract, say, I'm unhappy. 
I don't like losing. And then you don't look like you're a guy that can't handle, you know, a little bit of adversity and you don't, you know, you, you can't handle losing, but everybody else is stuck there. Uh, and they're just going to have to deal with it, you know, cause I understand that too. So that's what contracts are. That's why you negotiate a contract as a player. Yeah. And, and a team is going to negotiate a contract the best way they can. You should negotiate the best way you can. If you can't get out of it, then you need to find another agent. I, I don't want to be that way because I don't 100% believe that. I don't. But I do 100% believe that what Trevor Bauer did in his three-year billion dollar, whatever, 500, whatever ridiculous, what is it, $150 million over three years or something like that, what he did in that deal, why, why hasn't that ever been done before? If players are always talking about they don't have – they don't feel like they have um, rights or whatnot, especially the superstars. I understand the younger players who sign deals coming into the league, but that's what it is, man. You got to pay your dues. That's every job you go to. You got to pay your dues before you sign that next contract, and then you put what you want in that contract. Right. Man, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Drake, Drake, the more I keep thinking about this, the more I disagree with Draymond Green. <laughs> I'm getting more and more irritated the more we talk about it. Okay, so let's talk about something else. Uh, let's transition into this. So you know, Draymond Green is a pretty ornery player. He's um, he, he's a a great teammate from uh, by all accounts, except oh, yeah. for Kevin Durant. But um, he he can get under people's skin. He's known to do that. He likes to talk. He, he does his flailing his foot uh, and, and gets suspended for game six of the finals and they lose to the Cavs and that's why. Don't and kick somebody in the nuts. Don't kick somebody, right. So Especially Steven Adams, poor guy. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. three times he got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, who, who did he kick in the finals? Is it Tristan Thompson or uh, can't, uh, can't It was remember. LeBron. It was LeBron. Was it, was it LeBron? Yeah, that was a LeBron okay. thing. <clears throat> All right. Um, so anyway, he does. Draymond Green gets under people's skin. He uh, he complains a lot to the officials and that kind of thing. Would Draymond Green last in fight ball? Would he be a good fight yeah. ball player? Here's the deal. Draymond Green obviously doesn't understand the way the NBA works because of the what he's arguing about and what he's mad about. So if he understands the rules of fight ball, I think Draymond Green might be one of the better players in fight ball. Problem with Draymond Green is, can he take it? We see people dish it out all the time when they know it's against the rules to get it back. They'll push the limits but can they take it? Draymond doesn't necessarily – well, I don't want to say that. I don't know Draymond. I'm going to say Draymond will be good in fight ball. I, I, like Draymond's, I like Draymond's game. I don't want that to be misconstrued. I love Draymond's game. I want Draymond on my team. I think Draymond Green is a fantastic teammate because that guy is as unselfish a human being as there can be on a basketball team. I love that. I don't agree with what he says all the time, most of the time, but I love him as a player. Can I just make sure that that's out there? That's and I feel like that, that should be totally okay. Like there's, I, I think Ty Cobb is one of the greatest players of all time, but Ty Cobb was an asshole. Yeah. 
notorious. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I have to like the person. So I just want that to be out there. Sure. That yeah, we can, Draymond, we can if you ever come on here, I love your game, brother. Yeah. I just disagree with what you have to say. And and thank but you. I do think you'd listening. be good. Yes, and thank you for listening. And I do think you'd be good at fight ball. And I, I think you're right. I think he would be good at fight ball. If you haven't seen fight ball, it is a, a new sport, new to me at least. I'm just now seeing it in the last few weeks here. Um, I don't know how long it's been around, but it's it, I, the the big thing to me is I don't want to. I hesitate to call it basketball because it almost. It, I almost want to compare it to if you ever saw the movie Basketball. It's kind of like that. It's like a version, a different version of basketball. It's not sure. real basketball. Now they're playing basketball, but different rules. They play on a 40 foot court. The length is 40 foot full court. Um, there's a stripe right down the middle of it. So I'm, I'm thinking it's probably about a two or three foot wide stripe. So I'm thinking if you shoot, so, okay, so a dunk, number one, is the most you can get. You get three points for a dunk. But but there's a reason you get three points for a dunk. There's a reason. Because it, it is not easy to dunk. Right. So to, you've got to go through a guy that is allowed to foul you a lot. Uh, so it's hard to get to the rim. That's why most guys are shooting from this white stripe right down the center, like basically center court. Uh, which is only probably a 19 or 20 foot shot. That's worth two. If you make it from that line, any other shot inside of that white line is worth one. That's not a dunk. So it's pretty interesting. You only play eight minute game. It's one-on-one. First of all, that's the biggest thing. One-on-one. It's one-on-one and and it's they're short games, but they're short games for a reason because you can't you can't play a 12 minute quarter or a five you couldn't play four or five minute quarters or even two five minute halves it would be it would beat you down you yeah. could I just don't think you could do it it's it's an eight minute game total when they play two four minute halves but you're exactly right that's why it has to be that short because it's so physical um, and, and these guys are all in I, most of this the the footage I've seen, is of these guys training. And I mean, they're training like Olympic athletes, some of these guys to be in shape for this. And they're all, you know, they're bulky. You can't be a skinny, you can't be an an Adam Schmidt. All right. You can't be, (laughs) you can't be a little skinny guy that doesn't like to get fouled and cries about every little touch. You can't do that. Nope. Um, and, And that's the most impressive things from what I've watched so far. These guys aren't really, these guys are not, mostly not really getting into each other, into it with each other. Like they're not fighting after fouling each other like this. They're not fighting with each other and they're not going after officials. They're not like really barking at the officials either. These guys but it's are because they know the rules they and, and, know, that's, and they're doing the same thing. Yeah. And, and that's why I thought it was really important. What you said about whether Draymond would be good or not, if he understands the rules and understands that's how it works. And that's why these guys are good at, at not getting into fights, at not getting into into it with officials because they know this is the game. He's allowed to foul me. I'm allowed to foul him. It's going to happen. And that's the only part that I'm really confused about still because you're allowed, you you get two fouls. The ref will call it, but you don't get penalized for it. You can foul a guy twice. 
And then on the third one, that guy shoots a free throw, which is from that white stripe, which is 19 or 20 feet or whatever. So he gets a free throw. He gets one free throw if you foul him, and it's worth two, just like if you make a jumper from there. But the thing that I'm confused about is I'm watching these games. There are a hundred fouls. They're just fouling the heck out of each other, just mauling each other the entire time. And I don't understand when a foul is called and when it is not called, what the difference is. Like sometimes they're like just flat out tackling each other and pulling each other to the ground to make sure they don't get dunks or whatever at the end of games. And those are called fouls and, and that's fine. And, and But what would be a normal foul in a basket in any basketball game is normally let go. It's not called in this league. And that's what I'm confused about. What is a foul and what is not a foul? That part I haven't figured out. Um, I'm, I, I don't, I don't hundred percent know. In fact, as you said that I tried to start looking it up, what is like, is there, is there a set of rules for what the referees are actually calling a foul in fight ball? Um, oh, pardon me. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry about the loudness on that. <clears throat> I, that's why I wanted to let everybody know it was coming because <clears throat> daddy can get a little loud with a sneezer. Bless you. Um, we'll edit, we'll edit that in post. There you go. So, I'm not 100% sure. I want to get into fight ball. I want to love fight ball. It is, uh, it's not, like you said, it's not football. Or it's not, it's not football. You're right. It's, it's not, not basketball. Fo- it's actually, it's actually sort of like football. <laughs> it, it, it is. It might be more like football than like basketball where you're, instead of scoring a touchdown, you're just trying to get the ball in a basket. Um, Footsketball. It's I, called footsketball. There you go. So I'm trying to look up these rules at the same time. So I just don't, I don't hundred uh, percent know what I think about it. I I'm, I'm intrigued by the thought of fight ball for two reasons. Growing up, anybody that ever played basketball, whether it be in a league or be in, on your, on your guy on your team in practice or playing street ball at the park or in your backyard or you have a cousin who just fouls every single time they're playing defense. We all know that guy. Like we all can sit here and think of one person in our life that we can say that dude is who I would put on my fight. If I had to put one dude up and put money to him in fight ball that I actually personally know, Everybody knows that one guy, right? Me and you probably got the same guy. Well, I know I do. I'm putting Tony Edwards out there. I'm putting cousin Tony on fight ball all day long. There ain't nobody scrapped as hard as Tony Edwards, right? So, but everybody knows that. Like playing basketball anywhere, you know a guy who just couldn't control himself and foul too much. So it's intriguing to see an athletic standpoint to those people, right? Who's the best basketball player out of those guys? That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's intriguing. There, there's uh, a, <laughs> we, we we've all known it. You see it a lot in like high school basketball because a lot of football players will also play high school basketball. And you see that guy that there are some guys that are just really good athletes and they might play quarterback and point guard and they're actually good players, but you get that, once in a while you get an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and they're there to foul and rebound. 
And that's it. They're more physical. They're just more right. physical than anyone else out there. Right. And, and those, and you see those guys and they don't look, they're not offensive players at all. They don't have ball skills, but they go out there and that's what they're doing. They're 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 there for defense and rebounding and they're going to foul you a lot. And, and big guys get picked on by officials all the time too. So if you're, if you're big, even if you don't foul, you're getting called for them. <laughs> uh, so sorry, sorry, big guys, but that's the way it goes. If you don't look like you're very athletic, and you, and you, you're just a, you're just a, 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 a what do they call that in hockey? Uh, uh, you're the guys that go out to like to fight purposely, goons. I think you, it is. Or you something the like goons. That. Yeah, you gotta yeah. have a goon on your team. If you're one of those guys, I, I play in a league every summer, and more and more, it's getting younger and more athletic and more physical. So I, I'm, my days are numbered there, but there are a number of guys in this league that played, played or still play college football and not like division one or anything, but still play like, you know, D three football or something like that around here. So they're football players first. And they're like that. I, I play against a few guys like that and they are going to be really, really physical. And that's, easier for some people to deal with than others. If you're also sort of like that, you can kind of deal with it. Um, and, and if you're not, if you're just, just basketball and you never played football and you're not, you don't have a lot of strength or ability to uh, take hits and stuff like that, then it's hard. But so, yes, I agree with you. We do know everybody. We do know people like that. This is an interesting thing. It's probably not something I can watch all the time, but I've watched, uh, just looking into it for this, um, I don't know, I've probably watched at least highlights of maybe seven or eight games. And so I've seen, I've seen a decent amount of it now. And it's, it's, it's hard to understand the foul thing, but it's also kind of intriguing because these guys have to be big and strong and in really, really good shape. Um, and they also have to have enough skill to be able to knock down shots and mm-hmm. sometimes get to the rim and be able to, to stay in front of a guy and play defense um, because you only you do only get those two fouls and you're allowed to do a lot of a lot of hand checking and a lot of pushing and shoving and grabbing and holding and stuff like that but um, only to a certain point I guess so you still have to play some defense and you got to know how to stop a guy and you got to still know how to play basketball so uh, there's definitely some strategy here there's there's definitely there's definitely some skill involved. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of skill involved. These guys are hitting jumpers. I'm watching it right now in the background, and and it's I mean there's there there's some skill involved in this. These guys are are decent basketball players. There's one dude out here who can actually dribble and is shaking people and getting to the rim easily because he's quicker, and then he's got a step back jumper where. The rest of these guys are just physical power forwards that just want to push you down to the block and get you underneath. It's still not basketball, man. It's still not basketball. I know. I know. If you're allowed to if foul you wanna, like that, If you're watching ba- – if you love basketball for the purity of the game of basketball and the skill of someone, what they can do with a ball in their hands – don't you ain't gonna be into this? <laughs> yeah. Steph, this is not Steph Curry. Steph Curry is not playing in this. Let's put it that way. No, 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 no. LeBron James might be the best player in this, though. He would be, yeah, he's got the body to take it. 
Um, he's got he, the body, to, and he just dribble you straight, just get right down past you and throw it down. Young LeBron James would be good in this. Nowadays, I don't know. Um, he's a little bit slower and stuff like that, but um, he'd still be good. Yeah, I mean, he would be the most young LeBron James would be unstoppable. Young LeBron James would be unstoppable in this game. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now he'd just be good. He'd yeah. still be winning championships. He'd still be winning the hundred thousand dollars. But yeah, that's the thing. So that's that's the, the in the uh, in the tournaments. Like the they they first have tournaments that you can win. If you win the tournament, it's ten thousand dollars, and then you have to qualify for the final tournament or whatever it's called. And that one is a hundred thousand dollars. So there's big money on the line for these guys to win these games. And that's, you know, they get really physical and, you know, I, I was also really impressed with the demeanor of the guys, like uh, almost everybody there, there were two guys that I was like, Oh geez, what a goofball. Um, one guy that looks exactly like most deaf. And uh, he, <laughs> he was the first one that had a mouth on him. And he's like, you know, talking all this trash before and everything. I'm like, oh, God, I hope this guy loses. And he ends up being one of the best guys, of course. So um, one of the best players. And then another uh-huh. guy, he, he's, by the way, this guy looks dead on most deaf to me, uh, also from Brooklyn. So I'm like, I, this might be most deaf, actually. <laughs> <laughs> most deaf's not playing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's another guy that's just like, like absolute, like I am from the streets. I am good. I, I spent all this time in jail. I, I am like here to punish you. And he like is, he's a pretty, he's like borderline dirty. In fact, I think he is dirty. <laughs> um, so, but, but everybody else, <laughs> most of these guys are pretty dirty players. Well, but, but everybody else is just like fouling within the framework of basketball though. Like this guy is just chucking guys into the stands and right. stuff like that. Um, but most of these guys, that's what I'm, I'm to take all that punishment and to get fouled over and over like that. And to just, to just like have that, that much in basketball. Anyway, you build up this uh, um, adrenaline and it makes you emotional and do things that you wouldn't normally do and because of the adrenaline and then you're also getting beaten to death while you're doing this so that's that's gonna usually in basketball physical games like that i mean the intensity goes up for everybody and everybody it gets chippy and it's got it you know guys are pushing and shoving and talking more and stuff like that that's not really happening as much in this in this league that as you would think and most of these guys are these these guys are like just beating the heck out of each other the play stops. Everybody's fine. They're not, you know, getting in each other's faces or anything. And then after the game, they're shaking hands and hugging each other and, and going back like, man, I just, you know, I, nobody's blaming officials or anything like that. They're, they're going back like, you know, he was just more physical than I was. And I just got to, I, I didn't do it today. I got to be better. And I'm like, wow, that's, I don't know if I can handle that. I'm, I was impressed by some of the guys, the way they're, they're, but it's like anything else. If calm. you, you, you play inside the game. You play inside the game. So if if the people are abiding by the rules of the game, then you got to give it up to them if they lose. And yeah. this is this is not basketball. It is a different game. It's fight ball. It's a different game. Yeah. So you know that's why it's a little more easier for these guys to be in it. I, I enjoy it. I I'm enjoying watching it to a point. I should say to a point. I thought about we talked we talked about this. We both saw some 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 highlights and some crazy stuff. But we're like, man, we could we could almost make this like a 
a little section of the podcast, right? Like do a little do a little fight ball segment. I, this might be the last fight ball segment. We might be the only podcast in the world covering fight ball. There are, there are 12 million podcasts and we might be the only one talking about fight ball. We might be. Uh, we might be. All right. Well, then, look. Let's uh, let's make that the last time we talk about fight ball, probably unless no, I'm, somebody I'm gets down. unless in, somebody I'm, dies or something in it, then we'll talk about uh, it. But um, <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it would be terrible. That's why we would bring it up because we talk about right. fight ball and then somebody died. Uh, nobody's died yet, and hopefully that won't happen. But let's move on to today's a very special day. We are recording this. I hate to talk about the, the, the dates because this is out there forever. So somebody in three years could be listening to this and they're like, I don't care what the date is when you're talking about this, but it is February 17th. It's important today. It's important today because it's February 17th because it's Michael Jordan's birthday. And it's also pitchers and catchers report day. So spring training is, uh, is, getting underway. I, this is usually sort of the official spring training start. Uh, pitchers and catchers reporting and you have your Reds hat on. Good for you. I was always thinking ahead on this thing, man. You always have the right. theme hat. Try to. Try to. Good at that. Sometimes it's on accident. Sometimes it's on purpose. <laughs> well, whether it was today or not, you got the right one on. Um, so anyway, we, we've got uh, our Cincinnati Reds, our Cincinnati Reds have reported today. The thing that I'm missing today, now look, the first day really isn't much. I mean, you're not going to get much out of it. The thing that I'm missing because media is not allowed to be there because there's still all these COVID things is the, the video that they show of the line of catchers, like 10 catchers in a row, and they're all catching a pitcher at the same time. That is the video that I look forward to for pitchers and catchers reporting every single year. And I've not seen that yet because I'm not sure it exists this year yet. I don't know, but I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter from Tucker Barnhart. Old boy's got the, the black cutoff sweatshirt showing the guns off looking good. I'm excited. I, I can't even tell you Michael Lorenzen finally getting an opportunity to possibly be a starter. This Cincinnati, I'm so excited about what's going to happen in this Cincinnati Reds team this year. I can't, even, I can't even tell you. I, I think this is going to be one of the best years we've had as a fandom, maybe not best, but most surprising year as a Cincinnati, Cincinnati fan base. This might be the most surprising year we've ever had because this team is better than we're giving them credit for. I hope you're right because instead of being cautiously optimistic this year, I'm being cautiously skeptical or pessimistic this year <laughs> um, because it just doesn't on paper, I get it. And, and look, in the next few weeks, we're going to have hopefully have Bobby Nightingale Jr. on here. And he's, he's the Reds beat reporter for Cincinnati.com, Cincinnati Enquirer. Um, and we'll ask him and he'll set up the season for us. And he'll give us reason to believe that the Reds are going to be better this year or not. Uh, but we will get it from his professional opinion uh, from, you know, him talking to people in the organization and players every day. But on paper, man, <laughs> the, the, the losses far outweigh the gains, I think, uh, in this case. And I, 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 think you, I think you're looking forward to all of the underachievers uh, offensively last year being better this year. Uh, and I, and I, I hope you're right about that. And I, I can see, hopefully, 
Nick Castellanos and Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez and all those guys that did not have good years last year be better because we expect them to be better because they have been better in the past. Last year was a, a goofy year and it was a short year and all that. And some guys never, some guys start slow all the time, but some guys never got going. And so I hope that I, I hope they just underperformed underachieved last year, and they're going to be closer to what they really are this year and be better offensively. But I still think if that happens, what they've lost as far as is the pitching staff, it just feels well, like a greater, what did they a lose? greater loss. What did they lose? What did they lose? Outside of the Cy Young, don't get me wrong. You you lost the Cy Young. I know that. Outside of the Cy Young and Trevor Bauer, what did they lose? They also lost Anthony DiSclefani, and you might laugh at that, but for a back end of the rotation guy, about as good as it gets probably in baseball for a for a fourth or fifth starter, Anthony DiSclefani was way up there. He's gone <clears> now too. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fill that spot. So you have to fill two spots. Uh, in the starting rotation. And I, I know you have two outstanding pitchers still in the starting rotation. And I'm excited about those guys. And I'm, I'm going to go into it expecting wins every single day that they start. So I'm expecting at least two wins a week. Right. But we had one pretty much guaranteed win, not guaranteed because the offense was so bad, but on any regular team, <laughs> a guaranteed win when Trevor Bauer was out there. And I think that's yeah. huge. I, th I think that's huge to miss that. And, uh, but hopefully, hopefully at least, you know, Sonny Gray and um, uh, Castillo, hopefully those guys get more run support this year and their good performances. They're actually credited with wins this time. I mean, not, not, I don't care that they're personally credited with wins, but they actually win those games. Yeah, we get that the Reds get the win. Right. I'm more worried about with the loss of Trevor Bauer. We, 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 you, you gain and you lose talent every single year. Don't get me wrong. It's not every day that you lose an MVP or that you lose a Cy Young, right? I mean, that's not every day. That's not normal. So I understand how much that's going to hurt, right? 1.76 ERA over however many games they played. That being said, I'm more worried about what they're going to lose from Trevor Bauer's mental aspect in that clubhouse. That's what I'm worried about. Sonny Gray loved Trevor Bauer. Those two got along in a weird way. He, Sonny Gray learned so much from Trevor Bauer being the complete total opposite kind of guy as Trevor Bauer, right? Trevor Bauer, 100% in the game, like constantly thinking every little tweak in anything he could do to make himself better. Sonny Gray's out there just doing this thing. Let's go. What can I do? Let's do this. All right, I'll do this. All right, do this. He's laid back, cool California dude. And Trevor Bauer's just a different cat, but he made Sonny Gray better. I'm more worried about that aspect than I am worried about losing a Cy Young winner because in the end, that's one pitcher in your, in your staff. Um, I'd be more worried if I lost the MVP, like, it, like Joey Votto in his MVP year, if he left the team. I'd be more worried about that because that's every single day that bats out of your lineup. Once every five days, or what should be every four, because that's what he wanted, and I'd give him anything he wanted for Trevor Bauer. But once every five days, you can get a guy to instead of go 
20 and four to go, you know, 15 and 12 or 15 and 10, right? Like you're going to lose, you're going to lose a few W's there, but, and, and you might get a couple extra L's, but four or five over the span of a year, is it that big, you know, and, and those could go either way for some of them. So I'm more worried about that mental aspect that, that, that Reds pitching staff loses when you get rid of a guy like Trevor Bauer. The good thing is that guy that they brought in, the pitching assistant or pitch, whatever he was, the, the tech guy for the pitchers that they brought in because of Trevor Bauer is still with the team. That I like. Yeah. I mean, the Reds, I, I think throughout baseball, they now have, are probably – they're probably known for having the best p- pitching coaches, whether it's the pitching coach, but on down all the the guys, it seems like they've hired 10 guys. It hasn't been that many, but it feels like that they've hired so mm-hmm. many guys that are that, that, that was one of the reasons that I thought, you know, it's not impossible that Trevor Bauer decides to come back to the Reds because his guys that he trains with and that he, you know, his, his mental stuff that he gets that stuff from, and, you know, all the, all the metrics that they are, you know, pioneers uh, about pitching with, you know, all kinds of stuff that they know about. Just pitching. going with spin rates and everything off of spin rates. It's more than just spin rate, right? They're, they have all these little technicalities off of spin rate. And spin rates already higher is already a metric that a lot of teams still don't completely comprehend. Yeah. So they, they still have that. So hopefully – Bauer's influence from being on the team last year and being so good last year and those guys, you know, feeding off of him and getting to see him work every day and how serious he was about it and all the things that he did to make himself better. Hopefully that influence sticks around. Plus, you know, their, their coaching staff and the way that they focused on pitching, uh, improving that part of the organization in the last few years, hopefully that sticks around and, and that makes whoever, anybody that they, you know, cause they're, they're going to be a bunch of new faces again in the bullpen too. Um, so hopefully that stuff, there's a different culture. The culture is changing there. People talk about culture all the time on teams, but it's a real thing. And once you establish that and you get people, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons that the Spurs were so good for 20 years, 25 years, same thing with the, uh, with the Patriots for 20 years. It's that they have their way, they have their culture, they have the way things are done there, and it's it's professional. And if that's the the way that they're changing this thing, at least pitching wise, uh, in this organization, then then hopefully we're st- still going to take a good. Uh, hopefully they're still going to be moving in a good direction that way. I I, just, I I like what you just said on that because uh, it used to be chemistry, right? You heard about chemistry. And now you hear more about that word culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's the same deal, right? It's the way a team works together, a way a team buys into a concept. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. 100%. Yeah, I, I think some pe- sometimes people might use the word chemistry and mean culture, maybe. Um, but chemistry still, too, it, it helps when a team is full of guys that like each other and, and, you know, cause it, it does, it, unfortunately it shouldn't, but it does translate to the field, especially like, uh, you know, on the basketball court and, and team oriented games, it really does make a difference sometimes. Um, so that's important too, but yeah, the, the, the culture thing, if everybody buys into and buy in, that's another, you know, hate yep. to use 
all these things that are turning into cliches quickly, but you know, all that stuff is important. It's, it's, you know, all of these sports are 90% mental, (laughs) 10% physical or some other really lopsided number, whatever it is, but it's very much mental and, and you gotta, you gotta be into that part of it. It's, you can't in, in, especially now there's more and more things being discovered and being taught uh, about the mental part of professional sports or sports in general doesn't have to be professional and you got to be into that and you got to understand it. Um, so anyway, I, I, hopefully that's moving. That part of it is moving in the right direction for the reds and that coupled with, uh, hopefully, uh, less underachieving offensively. Hopefully you're right. I mean, I hope you're you're right when you say that it's you think it's going to be better than people are giving it credit for. Because I'm one of those people. I'm not giving it credit until I see it. You gotta uh, you gotta show me. So I'm, I I understand it, but I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see it early. I think you're going to see an offense that hits the ball well. We've got power. Uh, we've got people that can get on base. We've got a lot of things. Um, in that offense, the bullpen is the question mark, right? Because we really don't 100% know who's going to make up that bullpen outside of a couple spots, especially if Lorenzen gets put placed into the starting rotation. So it's going. that's a big spot in the bullpen that is now gone. Mm-hmm. Lorenzen was still throwing four or five pitches in the bullpen knowing that someday he wanted to – I'm, I'm – you know, going to a Bobby Nightingale story here now, but knowing that he wanted to get into, go back to get another chance at being a starting pitcher. So it's interesting to me to see how this team is going to, is going to, is going to come up, but it's all going to be about the, it's all going to be about this spring. You're going to see so much happen this spring. There's a lot of jobs open. And I think this Reds team is better than people put them out, make them out to be. All right. Watch out Dodgers and Padres. Um, sorry if you're listening to this and you are not from Cincinnati or not a Reds fan um, for, for getting specific about that, but it's just to celebrate the day, celebrate pitchers and catchers reporting day. What we um, do. So what we, we got to say something about it. All right. Now we've got to get to our Mount Rushmore. A lot of people's favorite where we get all kinds of feedback. A lot of people's favorite segment on this, on this show now. I agree. I totally agree. That's all I ever hear about anymore. I feel like our, our, our emails are just bombarded with Mount Rushmore topics. Uh, we're everywhere. I get stopped on the street at least twice a day on the street. Cause I just walk the streets just to see what's going on in regular people life uh, <laughs> about the Mount Rushmore segment. Yep. And, and look, if we can't, if we haven't gotten back to you on these emails, you got just please understand it's not because we don't want to talk to you we just have so many it's impossible to get to all of them uh yes but anyway our mount rushmore uh this week this is it's much better every time you choose one of these because you're much more creative i I I don't 100 percent know about that because this one kind of disappointed me because as i did more research this is a whole lot of dudes that I don't really know who even half of them are. Yes. I started looking at, so what, okay. So to, so to bring it up, so we did the, 
Mount Rushmore of hitting pitchers. And we took out Babe Ruth. Can't take Babe Ruth. And you can't take someone who couldn't make it as a pitcher and ended up going in, you know, maybe made it to the big leagues as a pitcher, got put, uh, Rick Ankeel got put down, dropped down into the minors, came back as a fielder and a hitter. That person doesn't count. Correct. Babe Ruth doesn't count because he's, you know, one of the top four, three, three or four players, probably top three players of all time. And he played the outfield every day that he didn't pitch, right? He did play the outfield when he did not pitch. And he also played the outfield 70% of his career, maybe even 80% of his career. So uh, that being said, that being said, let's give this a go because as I started looking at this, dude, there's some, there were some really good hitting pitchers that just pitched and I don't even know who half of them are. Yeah. Never heard of them. I agree with you. All right. So who do you have? No, 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 no. You're you're going first on this. I picked it. You're mm-hmm. going first because okay. I, I I I've got I've got twelve people written down. I have two separate Mount Rushmores. I have Mount Rushmore of what they should be and a Mount Rushmore of okay, because these are people that I know, so I'm choosing these guys. I only so that's do- one I'm going with that one. I'm going with the ones that I know. I'm not picking some, okay. you know. Uh, 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 Wes Farrell from the Cleveland Indians back in 1920 <laughs> because you know he had a he's better uh, what was it? OPS was 950 or something crazy like that. Like I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm I refuse to do that. It's so funny you said that. So it's perfect that you're doing the ones that you know because I almost did the same thing. I almost just went ahead and you know picked guys that I'm like, well, this guy from 1920 was better, but you know, I don't know this guy, but I know Tom Glavin, you know, or, or whoever. And right. so, so I almost did that, but I didn't, I did mine. The guys that I, I tried to pick the ones that I thought were best is really hard to begin with. So it's good. good that you you. Did I knew number. you would do that. I knew okay. you would do that. So that's why I did mine my way. Cause I knew you would actually do the right thing and say a bunch <laughs> of names that nobody knows. All right. So having said that, my first guy is Wes Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's on base percentage is ridiculous. He was, he was unbelievable. I think if I have a number one overall, I think it's probably him. <laughs> I know. That's why I said him first because it's like, okay, this is a little ridiculous, right? Like, I don't even know who this guy is. He had, he had four seasons, four seasons with an OPS over 800 and two over 950. Um, he has he has 38 career home runs, which is the most all time for a pitcher. Um, he was let's see, he pitched in the late 20s to 1941, I think was his last year. Now, th- when I started doing these, looking at all, all these numbers and everything, and by the way, let me show you something here. I love it. That's yes. That's one. Yes. That's two. And Give me a half. Give me a half. I'm saying three quarter. And that's that's half with some additional notes for the guys that I kept. So two and a half. So really three pages, three pages of notes on this. And uh, I'll never, ever use this information again. So no, you definitely will never use this information again. So, but when I started looking through these, I thought, okay, so there are guys that pitched for four or five years and there are guys that pitched for 20 years. And it's going to be hard to compare those guys 
So I went by the per 162 game numbers. So okay. their stats Shit. averaged out per 162 you got games. Legit, you got for real with this. <laughs> oh boy has some time on his hands with this one. It, it still it still makes it a little bit confusing because the numbers are, are just it's it's hard to quantify the numbers because they're they're so much lower than normal players' numbers. So you're like, okay, what what is good for a pitcher? You don't really nor- normally know that, right? So I still right. kind of leaned on the traditional stuff that we know now isn't quite as important. There are other metrics and stuff that can tell you a bigger story, but um, I you know I did look at so like Wes Farrell, no matter how many games he played and hit in, his career average was two eighty, two eighty for a pitcher. Whether you play one season or 20 seasons, that's really, really outstanding. And his his career OPS is like 797 or something like that. So he had what what was it? Hold on, let me go back to what I was reading on this dude. Um per one season. He had two seasons, two seasons better than 950 OPS. Right. Yep. Nine five zero people. <laughs> nine five zero. I don't care if you're pitching once a week. I don't care if you're playing once a week or every day, or once a month, you ain't got no, you, that's ridiculous. And, and you're finishing like top five among position players most oh, years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, he was, he drove in a lot of runs. So he, um, he took a lot of walks. He drove in a lot of runs for a pitcher per 162. So imagine he's an everyday player for, you know, that plays every game. He's, he's, uh, 61 about 61 rbis for a full season if a pitcher does that 61 rbis is unheard of for a pitcher um 11 home 11 home runs 61 rbis over a 162 game span averaged out his numbers averaged out so um i don't know if that i don't want to get too deep into that because that's super boring for most people but i'm saying west farrell won number two and this is where the whole longevity thing comes in why it's even harder Micah Owings. Micah Owings pitched for six years. He played, he only played six years. Former Red. Was yes. One of those years was for the Reds. Um, he had a couple, he had a couple bombs that year for the Reds, I think. I think he hit a couple home runs for the Reds. I think you're right. And he, Did he pinch those... hit. He pinch hit. I was gonna when say... he played for the Reds, he pinch hit. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I remember being at a few games that he pitched it. He had you thought 280 was good for West Farrell. Career 283 average for Mike Owings. <laughs> uh, career 813 OPS, which is best all time for pitchers. The best career OPS for pitchers. Uh, he, he only played six years, hit nine home runs. So, I mean, most pitchers don't hit any home runs in their entire career. He hit nine in six years, so more than one a year. Uh, he was uh, his rookie. His rookie season, he hit four home runs and 60 at-bats, hit 333 that year, and had an OPS of 1,033 his rookie year. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. And then he followed that up and hit over 300. He hit like 314 or something the next year. So <laughs> this guy this guy could hit, and it wasn't just power either. He could just flat-out hit. Um, so Micah Owings is my second one. Number uh, number three, not necessarily in order anymore, Don Newcomb. Another guy that I think he spent one year with the Reds. One or two years, maybe. But uh, pitched in the 50s. 271 career hitter. In 1955, he hit 359 
in 117 at bats. So that wasn't in like 15 at bats. That's 117. Hit 359, seven homers, 23 RBIs, OPS of 1,028 in 1955. The next year, he won the Cy Young Award and was the MVP. <laughs> 238 career hits. Let's see, he played, I can tell you, he played 11 seasons. 238 hits for a pitcher in 11 seasons. That is, that's downright good. Really good. Fourth, my favorite name on my Mount yes! Rushmore. Yes! I'm so happy you got this guy. I already know who it is by when you said my favorite name. I already there, know who it is. But there, but there are two names that this could be. Because I'm going to mention the other one who didn't make it. So Sloppy this one, Thurston. Sloppy Thurston. No, Sloppy Thurston is probably fifth or sixth. Sloppy Thurston what? is a better name. Sloppy, is a better Thurston. name. But didn't make it over Schoolboy Row. Schoolboy Row, two seventy career average, three hundred four separate I, years. Come on, Sloppy Thurston. I thought for sure that's where you were going. I was close on Sloppy. I was Sloppy almost made my <laughs> Sloppy almost made my Mount Rushmore. I want to see Sloppy's face up on Mount Rushmore. I want to see Sloppy. They don't even there. have Sloppy Thurston. Uh, there was two websites that I was going through looking at this stuff. Neither of them had a picture of just Sloppy Thurston. Both of them are him with a whole bunch of other teammates because nobody knows who he is. It's funny you say that because I couldn't find Schoolboy Rose's real first name. <laughs> Schoolboy might be his real name. Might be his name. <laughs> Schoolboy Rowe hit 300 for three oh, years. He played, he played 15 seasons, pitched 15 seasons, hit 18 home runs in his career. Uh, career 263 average. Like I said, three years he hit over 300. He had a 710 career OPS. Um, he was just another – and really probably you could talk about three or four or five guys you could fit in there somewhere um, instead of him but or instead of Don Newcomb. Those, I, I feel like Wes Farrell and Micah Owings I was most sure about. Yeah. Um, but those are my four: Don Newcomb, West Farrell, Micah Owings, and Schoolboy Row, are my four. So I, I love instead it. of Sloppy, I got Schoolboy in my on my Mount Rushmore. I got so so good for you for doing the in depth research. Okay, good for you. I'm proud of you. I expected nothing less from you. Uh, I I did uh, way way less research than you did. Uh, but I came up with, you know, because when I think of a Mount Rushmore, right, like I'm like, oh, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. So number one, of course, as a Cincinnati Reds fan, and I must have said his name at least seven times today, uh, I'm going Michael Lorenzen. Because the problem with Michael Lorenzen is a lot of his hits and home runs have come in the pinch hit role or as an outfielder. So I can't remember. We said like Shoho, Shogay Atani doesn't count because he kind of plays two different positions. So you need to tell me, is Michael Lorenzen, is he, does he meet the criteria to be included? I think absolutely because 99% of the time he's a pitcher. But 99% of the time he's hitting, is he a pitcher? That's the problem. Most of the time when he's hitting, he's coming in in a pinch hit situation or – 
he was playing in the field to begin with, or he was, he's coming in as a player. Yeah. But he's only, he's being actually, I think he did. Didn't he get a start in center field late last year one time, or maybe the year before or something like that. I think late. He, last he had year, three starts, three or four three. starts. And he came in as a defensive replacement a few, yeah. quite a few times. Yeah. But that's, that's what I think of more often when he gets in games, he's pinch hitting and he's playing the eighth or ninth inning in the outfield because he's not a normal outfielder. I, I feel like he is much, much more a pitcher than he is a hitter, even if he's coming into games to hit. Okay. In well, situations. in that case, I think I'm putting I'm putting Michael Lorenzen on there. Um, on top of Michael Lorenzen, I've got to go with the most intimidating man that I've ever seen on a mound. I've never seen him on a mound. The most intimidating man that I've ever heard stories about on a mound who we lost Jesus, Pete, was it 2019 now? I can't even remember. Maybe it was early 2020. It was Mr. Bob Gibson. It was like five or six months ago. <laughs> so it was 2020. I don't know. We lost yeah. so many people in yeah. 2020 that I can't. I, I like to. I'm hoping that the people, some of the people were just in other years. Uh, Bob Gibson, uh, 206 career average, 24 home runs. Bob Gibson was a beast. He was like, you didn't want to face him on the mound. And you didn't want to face him. If you're a pitcher, he wasn't an automatic out, right? So there's something to the this whole – a lot of these guys, there's something to the dynamic of just being uh, a phenomenal pitcher and not being an automatic out, right? There's something to that. So that's where part of this comes from. Number three on my list, I am going to go old school. Uh, because I didn't realize how good of a hitter he was, but he's also probably one of the top five pitchers of all time. Um, I want to pull up his stats here again. You already, you already uh, said Bob Gibson. Walter Johnson. Uh, I know he was in on the initial the, – he's one of the first five or six guys to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And – Walter Johnson. Yeah, so the guy was unbelievable. He won 417 games as a pitcher, career average 235. Um, you know, the he he was he was awesome. His his best season as a hitter was when he was 36 years old. He hit 433. He had a batting average of 43.433 in a uh 1.033 um OPS. That's really good <laughs> that's not bad you hit 400 that's not too bad he didn't I, just hit 400 he hit 400 and a third <laughs> he was a third of the way to 500 yes so bob gibson walter johnson michael lorenzen and last but not least i only chose this guy because he's oh. one of my favorite personalities of all time yeah oh. it's not going to be who you're thinking of i don't think yeah. Uh, it actually goes between it's between two people. I have Zach Granke and Dontre Willis written down. Zach Granke probably deserves it because that dude, uh, that dude. I mean, he's a flat out hitter. I mean, he hit three twenty eight with the Dodgers in two thousand thirteen. Um, he, uh, you know, he 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 does stuff like that every single year. But Dontre Willis, I remember Dontre Willis. You know what? I'm going with Zach Granke. Nope, I switched it. I'm doing Zach Granke. 
Bob yeah. Gibson, Walter Johnson, Michael Lorenzen, and Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke uh, with a 263 current career average and a 600 OPS. 63. There are players, Major League Baseball players, making millions of dollars as everyday hitters that are far less than that. That's right. That's right. I could think of one who Adam wished was on the Reds to this day and was leading off and, and stealing five bases a year because he only got on base eight times a year. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Billy Hamilton, but I, I just have to give you – I just have to give you crap for Billy Hamilton. I know it. I know it. Billy Hamilton struggled to hit over 200. I'm going to be the same way about D. Strange Gordon because <laughs> uh, when at the end of this year when he hit – when he hit 091 and got on base uh, 19% of the time, and I am just absolutely singing his praises, and you're like, okay, we gave him a shot, didn't work out. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to keep him around because he's fast and skinny. I, I don't know. I, that's all I'm going to have for you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight you about it again. Um, I love it. There are so many guys that you could, that you could talk about. Um, Madison Bumgarner. I'll even just say the most recent guys, Madison Bumgarner, Giovanni Gallardo, Tom Glavin, uh, Mike Hampton was another one. Uh, Mike Hampton and Tom Glavin. Those two, those two were, um, those two were in a different, I mean, uh, those two were the cream of the crop in the mid, mid to late nineties. Mike Hampton and Tom Glavin were the two best. You know, what's funny is we, we first talked about this last week. We were talking about Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox is another. When you go back and look at Greg, Greg, but if you go back and look at his stats, he wasn't, he wasn't even that great of a hitter for a pitcher. Yeah, and and, you know, Glavin's actually kind of the same way. But those guys were, those guys got their, uh, got their praise for their ability to sacrifice bunt. They they became such good bunters that they weren't. I mean, anytime there was a guy on base. It was like an automatic advance. I mean, you know, they would take an out, but they could, they were, they turned themselves into great bunters. They could handle the bat, or, you know, if there wasn't anybody on base, they could at least put the bat on the ball. And, you know, you yeah. do that, you make a guy make a play. So maybe he, once in a while he's going to throw it away or whatever, and then you make something happen. If you can a- actually put the bat on the ball, and, I, and which is why I am, way 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 closer to saying we need the designated hitter throughout baseball number one because you can't have two you shouldn't have two leagues playing against each other with different rules and number two because i it's rough when you see a guy when you see a pitcher go up there and he doesn't look like he's ever and he holds the bat on the big end or whatever or he stands backwards in the batter's box <laughs> i mean you got guys you got guys that look like me or worse going up there. And, and that's just, I mean, Luis Castillo. You ever watch Luis Castillo? You ever watch Luis Castillo go up to the plate? He's rough. Luis Castillo is an automatic out. Luis Castillo steps up to the plate and I don't even know why they set him up. It might as well just take the out. Just, just take the out. You're good. Luis Castillo is an automatic out. If I am pitching to him left-handed underhanded, he is an automatic out still. That's how bad he is. And we love Luis Castillo. I love Luis Let Castillo. I want him to pitch known. every single day. Let it be known. Hey, if you, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hope Let he, it be I want known. If you can't take a joke, 
Sorry, Luis. Thank you again. Obviously, thank you for listening. But we, we're just kidding you. We want you to pitch every day. We want Michael Lorenzen to be the DH so he can hit for you. I mean, a couple, yes. a couple other yes. guys. You, got. you didn't say anything wrong there. If the DH, if the Reds had a DH, this God's honest, God's honest truth last year. No, this year, if the Reds, I was going to say last year, this year, if the Reds had a DH every game this year, how often would you put Michael Lorenzen in that DH spot? This year? This year, not last year, this year. Well, since Kyle Farmer is going to be our everyday shortstop, I guess you can always put him there. Oh, how much does that hurt to say? Yeah, I know. You know, um, speaking of red de- shortstops, though, we do have <laughs> the greatest red shortstop of all time and one of the best shortstops of all time in baseball back to this team. I don't know if you saw it. It's only a couple of days old. but I did. I did. This is a really cool thing. Go ahead. Mr. Barry Larkin. Uh, he he and Eric Davis are tied with Tony Gwynn, a very, very close second uh, for my favorite player of all time. Barry Larkin is back. He's going to be in the booth doing TV for the Reds once in a while. Uh, he's going to be in the rotation there as an analyst or a color guy or, or whatever you call him now. It kind of sucks because Danny Graves uh, did a terrible job when it was his turn to do the play-by-play. Like Marty, you know, Marty got the third and the seventh off or the fourth and the seventh or whatever it was. Marty didn't call it. But when Danny was in there, whew, Marty needed to be in that booth so he could help out. <laughs> that was Marty's chance to go drop a deuce, go, you know, pay the bills, go do what he needed to do, right? He didn't, you didn't hear from him in those innings. It was just the Cowboy. It was just Joe Nuxall's, just whoever was in there with him. Now. When Danny Graves came to the came to the uh, uh, the broadcast, it was a little different. Graves was good with Marty. Graves was good with uh, this other dude. Tom, I can't remember his name. Uh, what's the new guy's name? Oh, oh, um, I'm gonna forget now because I need to know. Doesn't matter. Moment. So he's good with him as the color guy. If they do that third and the seventh, or the fourth and the seventh, or whatever they do. <laughs> Danny wasn't very good. Danny's gone now. I'm a little disappointed that Danny's gone because I kind of liked hearing. Oh, yeah, that was the – he replaced. There's no Danny Graves on the list. Barry's basically replacing. So that tells me that Barry's going to do probably 15 games a year because that's all Graves was doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be – he's going to be in the rotation with Chris Welsh and Jeff Brantley, who also does a lot of radio. So – It'll be probably mo- it'll be a lot of Chris Welsh, which which I'm happy with. I love that guy, um, and Jeff Brantley, and I'm, I'm I'm good with him on the radio or TV, whatever he does. And then uh, and then Barry, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to hear Barry. He's been doing games. It's not like he's you know he's not one of these guys that's just giving getting uh, favor from the team that he played for 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 however long for twenty years or whatever. He's been doing. He's been doing broadcast baseball games for a while nationally. So yeah, but as but but even if he did just get it because of who he is, Barry Larkin is in the top five all time in this in this franchise in the Cincinnati Reds franchise, and that's talking about a a a five year span, a ten year span where 
this was probably the greatest franchise in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah. So to put Barry, to say that for Barry Larkin, like, it, you know what? Even if it was that and they were just like, you know what, oh, Barry, sure. we love you and uh, we're going to give you a go. Then, then we're going to give – it's like Byron Larkin with the Xavier Musketeers. It was like when they first asked him to be – when they first had him be the color guy for Joe Sunderman, it was not pretty. Yeah. It was not pretty. But you know what? It was Byron Larkin. He's the greatest player to ever put his feet – put his put, – put, put the Xavier uniform on his body. So you let him go. And now 15, 20 years later, whatever we're at now, couldn't think of it without him. Absolutely. So anyway, Tommy, Tommy Thrall. Speaking of Byron, Tommy Thrall. Speaking of, speaking of uh, Barry Larkin, congratulations, Byron Larkin. And uh, actually, I wanted to say that the opposite way. Speaking of Byron Larkin, congratulations, Barry Larkin. That'll be cool. Uh, Barry will be in town, uh, you know, for a while and it'll be, uh, or once in a while, and he'll get to maybe hang out with his brother. There you go. All that right. being said, on to the final piece of the podcast. This was supposed to be a quick podcast for us today. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely going on not so quick because we had a couple crazy segments that we were not expecting in the beginning. So let's go on. I feel like this one could be quick. Let's talk about Taylor Tomlinson because Taylor she Tomlinson. is the com comedy segment of the week. That's right. Her Netflix special quarter life crisis uh, was one that we had talked about doing at like, you know, eight months ago, probably it, it was, yep. it was a long time ago and uh, we kept putting it off and it was time to do it uh, because I uh, panicked last week when it was, when I was trying to find somebody quickly. And so I just, uh, I went ahead and threw up there and, but it also, it was, you know, since that time, since we had first talked about, about watching her special, I've heard a few different jokes from that special in different places. And I thought, wow, she's pretty good. So I, I wanted to watch this. Um, if we never ended up doing it, I was going to watch it anyway on my own. So I wanted to make it part of this because I thought she was going to be good. So I wanted to make sure you got to see it too. And I think you did the same thing. I think we both started watching it the first couple minutes at some point a long time ago. And we were like, all right, hold on. Cause we're going to do this probably at some point. Right. So, um, okay. So I picked this, so you get to go first. Okay. So, um, it was, it was fun because as a 25-year-old, which I found out is how old she was, uh, it seems like she grew up kind of old school, right? She reminded me of what the perfect girl for you would be. She's an introvert. She doesn't drink. She doesn't do drugs except for a couple of edibles just so she can go to the sleepy time. She's, she's, uh, she's funny, obviously, but doesn't want people to know she's funny. It's the way she makes it sound like. I was thinking like, man, this chicken Adam could probably get along. <laughs> that being said, uh, she had some funny stuff in there. I, there was never a point where I was like, oh my God, shut up. I can't, I can't watch this. Mm -hmm. It was never a point where I felt that way. There also was never a point where I just like was gig like stupid kid giggling out of my mind, right? Laughing hard. I never really went like I a couple times I kind of I did give it a, a a short little laugh, but I never was giggling out of my head or laughing throughout an entire part. Um one funny part that I wrote down, like I I I had, I had a pen and paper and I was like, when I laugh, I'm writing something down. 
thinking I'd be writing a bunch. I only really wrote one time down and it was, uh, it was when she was talking about God and God made little kids and she was, she was talking about spankings and getting spanked. She was like, up, oh, better add some fat somewhere. Unless this one starts mouthing off in an olive garden. <laughs> and that time I started cracking up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, to be totally honest, man, I, I thought she was good. She had some really funny parts Her her talking about guys. The stuff she said about guys was really funny. Um, the way they are when you talk about being a virgin or something like that, or not wanting to go all the way in her case or whatever. And the, the, the lingerie with her sister was kind of funny to me. And she told a lot of funny stuff about her dad, which if I was her dad, if I was her dad, I would think it was funny. The way she described her dad probably didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give her a 3.2. Not not phenomenally great, like killed me laughing, Not, uh, but not below the mediocre line by any means. It was good. It was good. I would watch this chick again if she had another special. Yeah. Um, that's good. Uh, I, I'm. That's funny. 3.2. I gave it a 3.4. I wrote down 3.4. I was even thinking maybe 3.3 as you were talking. So we're right there. We're right there together. And I'm, I I agree with you. Um, It was, it it was funny. I I did think it was funny. I, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't rolling on the ground or anything like that, laughing or or crying or peeing myself or anything like that. But, um, but I I also, what's that? You didn't shart yourself. I did not. I did not have an accident in my pants. Um, but I, I, I did laugh a couple times and, and I didn't write down any of her jokes. I thought about it, but I was also kind of working while I was doing that. So I, I was like, uh, unless my, I'm going to tell you, I have found out that it is, I am a little bit biased on these comedy segments. If I do it and I'm, if I'm watching it and I'm doing something else, I don't, I don't comprehend with it very well. I have decided over the past, I don't know, three, four months, I'd completely dedicate that hour to whatever I'm watching because I want to give it its fair share. Cause I think I have rated some way below where you're at. And the more I think about it, I'm like, man, maybe I just didn't give it its due. Like maybe I just wasn't paying all the way attention to it. It's funny. We both are influenced by the other's description and rating of this thing, because I was thinking <laughs> I had 3.4 written down and I was kind of on the fence anyway, but, but then you said 3.2 and I was like, and as you were talking, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe it was, maybe I should have just put like 3.3, just drop, drop it down just a tiny bit. And you said 3.2. I'm like, yeah, I should have put 3.3. Um, <laughs> Anyway, we, we are, we influence each other, but I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I know if I can't, you know, like sometimes I'm squeezing it in at the very end or I'm, I'm trying to do it like while I'm working during the day or something like that, kind of having it on, you know, in the background or whatever. And I'm totally agree with you. I, I, if I don't hear everything or I'm not concentrating on the jokes, I don't find it as good, obviously. And I, I think that's probably pretty normal, but um, I did think this was good though. I, I thought she was good. And um, I agree with you. Next time she puts out a special, I'll watch it for sure. Um, and she's, I have seen her, um, I guess maybe it was like on Pandora or something, you know, where they do individual jokes or on, uh, I, I follow the Netflix, 
Um, it's like a podcast, but they do like every day they release like a joke from somebody that's had a, a special on Netflix or whatever. <clears throat> so they've played her a couple of her things and uh, it's always funny. So anyway, uh, Taylor Tomlinson, Tomlinson, good job. Uh, she, I know she, for uh, who cares about this, but for, uh, for the first like few months of the pandemic, she was dating and living with Sam Morrill. Um, and I really no longer together now. Yeah. I don't know what happened or when. It, I, when it are stopped, you kidding me? No, Listening serious. to her special and knowing Sam Morrill, who I really like. Yeah. I don't loving. see that working in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I don't know. I, and, and then finding out that she's 25 and I think he's like in his, I don't, I think he's like in he's his our 30s. age, isn't he? Yeah. I think yeah, he's, he's like 35 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, yeah, he's my, he's in his late twenties. He's my, you're 37 or eight or whatever you are. And I'm 29, I'm, but. Well, if, if, if I feel like you should know how old I am, I'm, 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 I'm the crisp age of 37. Cause I'm exactly 10 years older than you. That's right. That's right. Uh, to the day, almost. It was like almost you, to the day. Yeah, almost to born the day. like two days, two days before you were, or whatever. Um, ten, ten years and two days. Ten years and two days, right? So, <clears throat> anyway, I'm much closer to Taylor Thompson. So you might be right. So Taylor Tomlinson and I are about the same age. So uh, we might be good for each other. I think you're right. Um, anyway, <laughs> all right. So good job, Taylor Tomlinson. I, we, we switched our thing up. Uh, I was going to go twice because I really, really desperately wanted to get this uh, next week's comedy segment, which yeah, is, this is a big one. Yeah. And that's Patrice O'Neill. And it's not a special of his. It's a documentary about Patrice O'Neill. And like I said last week, I know usually when I go kind of uh, out of the ordinary for this thing, it usually doesn't work out, but I think this is going to be awesome. And there's, it, you know, it's going to be full of his, material they're going to show a ton of footage from jokes and specials that he did uh and they're going to have a lot of comedians talking about him and and every comedian i feel like talks about patrice still i i listen to comedy podcasts all day long every day while i'm working again unless my boss is listening then i'm not doing that at all but uh, as long as you're getting your work done yeah i mean that's a gray area there but anyway patrice uh everybody every comic talks with great reverence about patrice o'neill and he was really funny i think we're both pretty big fans of his i love him um so anyway it this was on i and this is also a reminder to set your dvr um so i'm doing right now is excellent so it's on comedy central on friday february 19th at 10 o'clock called killing is easy and uh, so that's what I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be my Friday night. I'm going to watch the Panthers uh, first tournament game at 530. And then I'm going to uh, wait until 10 o'clock for Patrice uh, to come on at 10. Yeah, so anyway. I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Good luck to the other Panthers this weekend. Uh, who do they have in the first round of the playoffs? They're the number Har- two seed. Are they the number two seed in the? They're the number three seed, and they have the Harrison Wildcats. Harrison Wildcats. And Harrison's uh, always coach, a wild card. Always a wild card. What's that? Always a wild card. <laughs> always wild. Know. Always wild card. Yeah. All right. Uh, Harrison's coach played for Elder's coach when he was in high school. 
Well, Elder's coach has been Elder's coach for as long as I can remember. So that's correct. Did he but go to Elder? He did. Yeah, he played. For Who him. is it? I don't even know who the coach is. Andy Marks. You remember the name Andy Marks? Yes, one hundred percent. He was on the nineteen ninety three. Andy Marks was on. Yeah, with El- Pat Kelsey State championship. And Absolutely. Pat Kelsey and Chad Camstra and wait a minute. Camstra wasn't Camp- on that team. But he no, Camstra was, was, was ninety five or ninety ninety five or ninety six. I think yeah. Ninety five. Yeah. The Pat Kelsey. The Pat Kelsey. Uh, Pat Kelsey. Uh, Dave Ginn. John Miller. That's uh, who I was thinking of. Dave Ginn. Dave Ginn might be my all-time favorite basketball player elder history. Uh, I've got personal story for Dave Ginn, which is way different than uh, my love for Dave Ginn. But Dave Ginn used to – we would go to Xavier basketball games. I would – Xavier. I, we would go to elder basketball games. i go with you and your dad. And Dave Ginn dunked the ball, and it went through the basket and hit off his bald head and bounced out of bounds – and he was going nuts. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Kentucky Wildcat tight end. Uh, good for you, Dave. Ginn. That's right. Uh, yep. Uh, by the way, we can't talk about that team without talking about Kevin Whitmer. who was absolutely uh, coach Witt, who, who did a phenomenal job with the elder JV basketball team this year. I feel like coach Witt's been coaching that JV basketball team now for I don't know, 30 years. It's at <laughs> least 15 since I've been in school or uh, 20 since you probably started there. And he was yep. there then. He was so it's probably up. been over 20 years. Uh, JV basketball this year, Elder Panthers undefeated. Great job by coach Witt. You got a little love from him and you gave him a little love. I saw on the yeah, tweet box. on Twitter. Right. Yep. Yeah. Also, also one of, if not both of our favorite teacher, one certainly one of our favorite teachers ever at Elder. We talked, we talked absolutely about times. I believe I've told the story on this podcast probably two or three times about why you he's get, my favorite you teacher. Tell it? No, I, we we're way too late in the, in the, okay. I, it's twelve thirty at night. We're way too late in this podcast. I do not need to tell. I'd love to. T- I'd tell it if you want me to. I but tell we it don't need to. to. Yeah, I'll make it quick. Coach Witt, greatest greatest day of my life in high school. I was always on the ver. I never really got out of exams, but you know, if you got out of an exam, if you were like an 85, you had to have 85 to get out of the exam. Comes back, me and my best friend, uh, little Mikey Little. I say little Mikey Little, he because he's so tiny now, but uh, Mike Little both had an 84, and we're and like, oh, you got to be kidding me! Because I don't you know guys sat it- next to each other and cheated on cheated off of each other. Mike is not dumb enough to cheat off of me and I'm not dumb enough to cheat off of Mike. So we just got 84s on our own. (laughs) So anyway, Mike, I don't even know how it happened, but somehow coach Witt came up with the idea. I don't don't know how it came up, but somehow me and Mike little, we're going to play coach Witt and coach Dressman in cornhole the next day, and if we won, we got out of we, – we didn't have to take the exam, which was that next Monday. And this was on like a Thursday or Friday. If we lost, then we had to take the exam. We go into the wrestling gym. The whole class gets to take that class to study for the exam. That is the like the next day or whatever. I think it was the Thursday. The exam was on Friday. Anyway, the whole class is up in the stands – 
and they get to study for the exam. Me and Little get we first off, me and Mike Little, no matter what party we went to, we could sit, we were at the cornhole, uh, I, I'm not the bags. We 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 had the bags all night because mm-hmm. nobody could beat us. We were we were as good as they came back in high school. We went to a party or even in college, we go, we go, people would be playing cornhole. We walk up, we'd wait for our turn. We get our turn. We play the winners and we didn't leave until we decided that we were done playing because nobody could beat us. Definitely not that way anymore. Just so everybody knows I suck. Don't challenge me in cornhole because I'll lose. We thought we were unbelievable. Coach Witt and Coach Dressman smoked us i'm pretty sure it was like 21 to 3 <laughs> it was an old school butt whooping so we're bummed out because we got to take the exam i'm driving home from school driving home from school the next day is the exam i think it was on friday monday was the exam randomly coach witt drives we both live in delhi he drives up next to me on west eight and we're at the light and he looks over and i roll my window down I give him a little head nod. He rolls his window down. He said, call little. You guys don't have to take the exam. Greatest day, greatest teacher ever in the history uh, at Elder. And then I believe him and Dressman both stopped teaching and tried to become lawyers or something like that, didn't they? I know Coach Witt did, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dressman did the same same thing. I think you might be right. And they both still coach there too, right? Uh, I believe Coach Dressman is still coaching JV baseball at the same time. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, legend, Coach Coach Witt. So anyway, I, I I mean I could do a I could do hours and hours on that. You could do hours on it because you you were with him every single day in practice. So. Well, yeah, I, I but I mean on the on the ninety three state championship team, I could talk for hours about that, but. We will not. That's do what that. we need to do. We need to get Coach Witt on this podcast, and we need to. We do just a separate podcast for all our millions and millions of national followers. Take a break. We just go Cincinnati podcast and go Coach Witt. I bet he'd do it with it. If you got a hold of him, he would do it. I, I'm sure if either one of us did, but yeah, I, I bet he would do it. I, that would be fun. That would be fun. I don't think he the, knows who I am anymore. That would be that was fun. A long for, time ago. <laughs> it would be fun for the hundreds of thousands of people uh who who are from this area that listen to this podcast so uh maybe we'll do that like we said speaking of guests in the next couple of weeks we'll I, we'll maybe give uh the red some time to uh get some stuff done in spring training and play some games and see how people are looking before we bring bobby nightingale on yes i love to get bobby nightingale in i say we and we also have adam baum that said he wants to come back uh once the tournament starts which is here in a couple of weeks and then uh, maybe, you know, let's see what happens with the Elder Panthers. Yes, sir. They throw a couple wins down. Maybe we get Coach Witt in here. Yes, sir. Uh, we can always do that. And uh, by the way, <laughs> we have – so we have the comedy segment. I think it's my – yeah, I, I have to do the uh, the Mount Rushmore for next week, and that is going yeah, to both. be – what's that? Nothing. Go. Oh, okay. Sorry. The uh, We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, when we did, we we chose between Adam Sandler and Will Ferrell movies, and we did Adam Sandler. And you said, let's make sure we do Will Ferrell movies. So we're gonna do next week. We're gonna do the Mount Rushmore of Will Ferrell movies. These are movies again that he has played a major role in. So, pr- 
prob so wedding crashers probably doesn't count. No, we we yeah, we said when we talked about this, we said when we do Will Ferrell, wedding crashers is out. Okay. He has to be a lead or a what do you call it? A, a, a semi-lead supporting whatever. Yeah. He's got to be one of the main characters. Right. Right. Okay. So he's been in a million movies, so I was just going to say it should be really easy. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be hard to pick four, but it should be yeah. easy to, because there's plenty to pick from. Yeah. All right. So that's what we'll do. We've got our comedy. We've got our Mount Rushmore. Uh, we'll have uh, – who knows what we'll have next week. We're going to have something for you. We we went into this week thinking we might only do the Mount Rushmore and comedy segment, and we ended up doing like five different things. And so we, we end up going two hours. We're, we're probably over two hours now. So Oh, yeah. Are we? All right. Yeah, I think so. Oh, God, Jesus. Right around, man. All right, so I apologize for that because most of that's my fault. So It's a it's a podcast. You can turn it off whenever you want. <laughs> I guess technically that's true. <laughs> technically that's true. Listen to five minutes for the first five minutes, the middle five minutes, and the last five minutes. You'll get the idea. And if you're listening now, for you to do that would be pretty, uh, I don't know, odd. Uh, since you've already listened this far. So that being said, we need to get out of this podcast, brother. It's time to go next week. Patrice O'Neill, Will Ferrell movies, and God knows what else. Till then, don't forget to turn your headlights on.